Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this week, we're going to be talking about The Batman. It just came out on HBO Max on Monday, and we're going to talk about how we felt about it the second time around, because both David and I saw it in theaters. And also, we're going to be ranking our top five things to stream on HBO Max. So if you're watching The Batman and you're looking for something else to watch, we got you covered. That's coming up after this. All right, so we're going to open our conversation by talking about The Batman. David and I both watched this together last night with some other friends of ours on a projector screen with a sound bar. So I, we didn't get a theater experience, but I think we got the closest thing to a theater experience you could probably get at home without being a multimillionaire, right? Yeah, it's a pretty sick setup. I so, kind of want one of those myself yeah, one day. Yeah, shout out to Tristan and Lily for their, their movie set up in their house. Uh, how did you feel about this movie the second time around? Just as good. Really? It was just as good. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, I think, I think I was more attentive the last thirty minutes of the movie this time. When I w- first watched it, it was like at ten thirty, ten or ten thirty on a Thursday night. So by the time we hit that, it was like twelve thirty. We were pushing one o'clock. So my yeah. my men- my mentally, I was just getting tired and kind of hard to focus. So kind of rewatching it um, last night, uh, I really liked it. I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah, I think I I would say the same thing. I noticed more. I think I appreciated um, some things more. I think I for sure appreciated Colin Farrell's performance more probably. Mm -hmm. This time around, the Penguin was legitimately funny. When I felt like I wasn't trying to focus and soak it all in because I'd already seen it, I think I could spend some more time with the side characters. Um, I got to say, I like Pattinson still. I think I liked him a little less the second time I saw it. Mm -hmm. I think I was struck by his vision of Batman. And when I went in expecting and knowing what was going to happen, I didn't love it as much. Mm. Um, But I think almost everybody else grew in my estimation. And that by no means means that Pattinson was bad. I just don't think I was as wowed by his performance the second time around because I was already expecting it. Yeah. Um, But I still really enjoyed it. Do you have any any problems with this movie maybe the second time around that you kind of – Washed over. I think I, I speak for myself, maybe not for you, but I always think movies maybe are better in a theater than when I see them the second time. And maybe my my expectations or my opinions on them cool a little bit. Did you feel the same way? Um. So actually, when I first watched it, I said it was really slow mm-hmm. at times. I'm not sure I felt that last night. Really? Why? Why do you? Th- well, how do you think that changed? I honestly think it was just the time of day watching it. Mm-hmm. I think I was just exhausted because I started a movie at 10 or 10.30. Yeah. Um, so starting at 7 last night, I think I was just, my mind was more awake and I was could, could focus more. Mm-hmm. And it really didn't feel like a two-hour and 40-minute movie last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changed, but honestly, in a, in a positive way. Yeah, I think the runtime flies um, flies by pretty well. I I think it's also, for me personally, I, I still really enjoyed the movie. I think I, I maybe enjoyed it a little bit less, but no, by no, I still love it. Mm-hmm. I still think it's a really great Batman movie. I think the big thing for me, I think a performance, like you mentioned, Pattinson, I think for me, um, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, I think I realized he just really didn't have much of a role this 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 time. It was a lot of us like question asking where Batman did the work. Yeah. He and that's what I liked about like Gary Oldman's in the dark Knight is he was a very important contributor to the plot. It felt like Gordon was us at times. Like Gordon was kind of the, the Avenue for the audience. And he was the one asking all these questions and being like, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only time he's really, really doing anything is that scene in, in the, 
jail in the holding cell and GCPD when he's got tries to get Batman out of there because mm. he's surrounded by cops and possibly dirty cops. So I think that part helps. Um, I think one person that really shined on rewatch for me was John Turturro. Um, Carmine Falcone, I think, was – I appreciated what he was doing more. And the second one, his old mob boss mentality. And I think that I appreciate the flair for his character and, and his actions more. Um, but I still really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, this movie is one I think we would both say you should watch in theaters first to get the full experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but – do you think it holds up not in a theater environment? Say somebody goes in to watch this for the first time on on their TV or, heck, on their laptop with AirPods in. You think this movie is still going to have that effect on them? I think so. I really do. Um, I just I, I love the lighting and the cinematography of this movie, and I don't think you lose that mm-hmm. uh, on a laptop even. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might lo- lose a little surround sound, but yeah. um, I really think – I really think you can like this movie just as much on HBO Max mm-hmm. uh, than you can, um, you know, uh, on uh, the big screen. And you might, you know, the only downfall could be like going in on the opening night, right? You know nothing about this. There's nothing that's been spoiled. Yeah. You've not seen, you know, these pages on social media now drop clips from the movie. Um, right. So that could be the only downfall is you've seen clips. You've seen maybe some of the best clips or you've seen spoilers. But besides that, just quality of the movie, I really think, uh, I think it's just as good. So before we get into our conversation about movies coming to streaming as a whole, I want to ask you, uh, you actually put this question down, what direction does the Batman go from here? Um, so where do you think this, this next movie goes? I think they've already been confirmed for a trilogy. I don't see why. I mean, this movie made gobs and gobs and gobs of money. So it's not like, and it was always going to. I don't think there was ever a world in which this movie wasn't going to make a lot of money. But mm-hmm. even coming, this was kind of the first big movie of this this year. So, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home closed last year. And I think this year, the Batman was the first, like, holy crap, here it is. You have to watch this movie. But where do you think they go from here? What What do you think is next for this character in this franchise? Um, I kind of like... Well, how how much can I talk about this? How far should we go? Um, I th- I think we can spoil the fact that... The Joker, while not a factor in this movie, makes an appearance. They've yeah. also released a deleted scene that they had with him and Batman directly talking. So you've probably already seen this on social media. Which, year. yeah, uh, has already been released officially. It wasn't even, like, leaked. They just yeah. officially released it. So, right, I think I think he is obviously going to play a role eventually. Right. If you're going to introduce this character, a young guy, a, a new actor as the Joker, which I, I'm excited for. He's a good, good, um, he's a good actor. Um, I think, and, and they, they do leave this movie kind of on an open-ended um, ending, really. Like, there's mm-hmm. no bow tie to this movie, which I think works well in their favor going into the second movie. Um, and I think, so yeah, there's already, you know, there's a couple, there's a, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm playing it through. There's a couple um, kind of villains still, uh, alive, one hasn't been caught, and one is in jail with Joker, um, and so obviously those those will have an impact. And I I don't know what they're going to introduce. I think we've heard a couple things. We've heard like now this isn't from the movie, so this isn't a spoiler. But yeah. we've, we've heard like maybe Mister Freeze or Clayface or mm-hmm. um, kind of. I think Matt Reeves wants to go 
like you know the route of I think he these wants, haven't been introduced in a while. I think Let's, he wants to give know. different villains a shine. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think that he'll learn. And and now the Dark Knight's plan was to always have Joker in the second and third movie, the Dark Knight trilogy, and he just obviously with the tragedy, the tragic loss of Heath Ledger, that was not possible. But I wonder if Reeves is kind of taking that note and while he may introduce the Joker in the second one and use him as a plot device, that the confrontation won't come until the third one, mm -hmm. which I think would be smart by him. But I'm just excited. I'm a person that's played the Arkham video games, so I'm excited to see if they just use some villains that we don't see. You know, Hush, Clayface are ones that we haven't seen on the big screen. The last time, you know, Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze appeared, they were kind of jokes, mm -hmm. um, weren't taken seriously, uh, and they were in the worst Batman movies that have been made. So I, I would think like Mr. to see Freeze him be kind of a freaky redeem those characters. In this ca in this um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, but you know, this movie, so we talk about it when it came out, you know, this movie came out March 4th and we're not even two months later and it's not, it's not even VOD. It's not, you have to pay to watch this. This is free on a streaming service. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about a movie coming out and then a month and a half later, it is already free available on a streaming service? For someone like me, I like it because I just was able to watch it again, mm -hmm. you know, without having to pay for it. But I think, I think it kind of hurts. I think it's hurting theaters and um, in a way hurting the studios. Now mm -hmm. I know Warner Bros. owns, has, owns HBO Max, so it's kind of like for them, it's like, Theater or not, we're still getting money. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I don't like, and I know like the Snyder Cut and a couple others went directly to streaming. And I feel like that's just not good for business. And I think, um, I think we were talking about this last night, but like, man, if it weren't through, if it, if it wasn't for Marvel, would movie theaters like be exi like open right now? Yeah. Cause if you don't have the boost from Black Widow, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Shang-Chi and the Eternals. Like those are the those were the only movies coming out. I mean, No Time to Die came out, but I don't think it did. That that quite honestly, that movie comes out at any time not in a pandemic. It's a billion dollar movie. Mm -hmm. It's the cap end of probably one of the most beloved actors to ever play James Bond. Mm -hmm. But it didn't it didn't do fantastic. I mean, it did good business, but it mm -hmm. didn't do fantastic. So yeah, I these superhero movies are kind of what's keeping theaters alive, which is good in a way and sucks in a way because I'm I'm just a person that doesn't. I love superhero movies, but I don't want that to be all that there is to go see in a theater, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like I just watched Ambulance last week, which I've mentioned on this podcast at nauseum already, and I loved it, and I loved the theater experience with that movie, and I think that's a movie that if you're going to watch it, you have to watch it in the theater because that's just where it's best served. And I worry that these movies jumping to streaming or just being released directly to streaming hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, these these big movies that, that we would normally go see, uh, that we just, you know, laziness or just for monetary purposes, I decided to not watch in a theater. So mm -hmm. I don't know if the Batman was going to make a lot more movie. It was running out of steam. It made now, obviously it was announced that it was going to be coming out on HBO max, but the last day Easter Sunday, it made a little less than a million dollars. It is so far grossed 751 million worldwide, um, 365 domestically. It's, it's a, it's making a good chunk of movie. It had a hundred and I think a hundred million dollar budget and, and was far exceeding, um, that so it's making good money and I want to see movie theaters stay open and I hope movies like this can but I just wonder you know if the Batman 
maybe there's a little bit of a gap in between when it hits streaming because it's it was still in theaters and then it hit streaming immediately mm -hmm. i think if there's a gap between that then maybe it'll push more people to go watch movies in the movie theaters because quite honestly i will always tell you to do that mm -hmm. i think movies are always best in the movie theater so so yeah um i think personally i love it because yeah we can watch this movie again but i just love i just love movies in movie theaters and yeah. i want those to continue and there, there's struggling anyway i mean why do you think that you know, a drinks six, seven dollars is because they're just, just trying to stay above water. Yeah, because the studio takes all the money from the tickets and leaves them yeah, nothing. They don't make a lot off of it's the same way with like the way that gas stations operate. Gas stations don't make money off of gas, really. They make money off of selling you food and stuff in the store. Mm -hmm. Movie theaters make they make OK money, but their margins are kind of thin on the movie tickets themselves. That's just why they're, you know, charging you for for a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, got, when I got a job somewhere else, one of the first things I looked at was how nice their movie theater was though, because mm. I just want to have a good movie theater to go to. Is so it nice? Yeah. I, I looked at it. It seems like a pretty nice setup they got down there. Is it so. local or is it a chain? Uh, it's a local one, the one that I saw. So cool. So I like that, but yeah, You're I, like, uh, I can't do this. There's not a theater down here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really though, like, you know, I, I have never in my life lived somewhere where I can drive for 10 minutes and then watch a big movie in IMAX. Mm. And that's something I want to do because I, I think movies, you know, watching movies on big screens makes movies better. I've seen a couple and it's like, it's pretty, it's like, I saw No Way Home the second time in, on IMAX. And yeah. Like, Ooh. And it just changes the way you see it. So, yeah. all right. So that was, that was our digression and, and sad state of, I guess, the <laughs> state of movies in the U.S. But you know, streaming is not all bad. It gives you a chance to go back and see old favorites and, and maybe some movies you haven't discovered. And that's what we're about to talk about here. We're going to take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about the top five things to watch on HBO Max. So stick around. All right, we're back. It's top five things to watch on HBO Max. I, and I'm going to ask before we actually get into our list, David, how did you go about selecting this? Was this actually just your five favorite movies on HBO Max? Or did you have kind of a different way of going about this? So one of them I have I just watched. It's a very new, new release um, and kind of one that I just happened to find. Like it wasn't this, you know, everywhere on Twitter, you know, hey, we need to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm kind of talking about it now is because I feel like a lot of people don't really know about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other four, honestly, I, I went th on the A to Z list and just scrolled through every movie because I didn't want to be biased in what I just recently watched. Right. And I knew there were like there's one here that I hadn't watched in a while and I'd forgotten about. It's, it's, I think it's a quality film. So that's kind of how I did it. Just A to Z and went through the ones that I've seen. Yeah, I think I tried to kind of get a mix. I tried to introduce some movies that I think people haven't seen. A couple, two of mine are, are newer. This pa they were released this past year, um, but then I tried to get some, uh, maybe a couple of older favorites, and also just one big one to just draw people in on. Um, but I would say that for both of us, these aren't our five favorite movies that are on the service mm -hmm. because all three of the Lord of the Rings movies are on HBO Max, the extended editions. So that would have taken up three of my spots <laughs> just automatically. And then I would have told you to watch both Kill Bills after that. And we would have been out of movies to yeah, talk that's, about. That's fair. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, we got top five things to watch on HBO Max. All of these things are available as of right now. I don't know if some of them are leaving soon. Um, some of them just got on the service, like David's first pick, which is pretty new to the service. David, what you got? Uh, I have The Night House. Uh, it, uh, it came out in 2020, actually, um, but just got 
I think probably maybe a month ago. It hasn't been on HBO Max that long. No, it's just it's still on their just added page, so it, it's probably a month or less. Uh, this is a horror mystery thriller uh, starring Rebecca Hall. And, um, yeah, it's directed by David Bruckner, who's done The Ritual and a couple other films. Yeah. But really not, not much um, other than that. He, uh, the, the plot of this really is um, Rebecca Hall, her husband dies unexpectedly, uh, and she's left in the house that he built. Uh, but slowly as she get, begins to kind of dig, she uh, discovers things that her husband never told her about. Uh, and that's all I'll tell you. Um, don't watch the trailer of this movie, please. Yeah, we <laughs> so we sat down with some friends to watch this on Sunday, actually. And they are trailer people, which I am for like Marvel movies and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to see trailers for things because I don't want things to be spoiled for me. Um, and yeah, the trailer kind of sets up what's going on in this movie, which I think it's way more fun probably if you go into it knowing nothing, which I didn't get that experience cause we had to watch the trailer first, but David did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, um, man, I, I really, really enjoyed this. It's man, it's not your classic horror movie. And I mean, Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think really just about every aspect of it is kind of different than a normal horror movie and the, yeah the decisions she makes it feels like a plot playing on multiple genres at the same time but it's never fitting into just one subgenre of horror you know i thought it was just going to be a classic haunted house movie but it's not mm-hmm. and then i thought it was going to be a classic like you know undead killer movie and it's not mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of different as- aspects to this movie um i would say it's a horror movie for people that maybe don't like horror movies I know that kind of sounds weird, but this isn't like a over-the-top blood and gore. This isn't a jump scare fest. You know, it's not just trying to get you with loud noises all the time and stuff. It's not The Conjuring. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're kind of shy away from those, this is more of a thriller slash it's a mystery. You got to try to unspool what's happening as the main character is. And it's not like a crappy, shallow plot. Like the plot's kind of like it takes you a little bit – I think no, I think Nathan picked up quick just because you I mean you're used to seeing movies and used to seeing things, but I think a lot of the people yeah I'm over here over didn't analyzing. see where they're gonna take this you know yeah um so no I really enjoyed this uh, Rebecca Hall was absolutely fantastic in this, this movie um very good job you may know her from um the the Prestige she was in the most recent uh, Godzilla versus kong movie which both of those movies are very different actually the prestige i guess isn't super different but she she's a very talented actress um and yeah this is kind of a solo thing for her you know she's unspooling figuring out a lot of this stuff by herself um well yeah and especially for being a movie where you're kind of by yourself for a lot of it that's also she is required to have a lot of different range of emotions in this movie and is portraying them very well so So yeah. So that's my uh, that's my pick. That's the new one I mentioned. Uh, just watched it. I've actually last Sunday was the second time I'd watch it, and uh, we talk about you know multiple viewings. I I enjoyed it just as much the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned a little more, picked up a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend watching this. Uh, it's not over the top. Uh, it's rated R, but it's really not that bad in that aspect, and it's a quality movie. So mm-hmm. Nathan, what's your pick? Um, so my pick is the newest film from my guy, Wes Anderson. It's the French dispatch. Um, it's a movie that he directed. Um, I believe he started it during the pandemic and it was delayed a little bit like everything else was. And it, it just came out in 2021 and hit HBO max at the end of February. Um, this movie. Now, if you haven't seen Wes Anderson movies, um, I don't really know how to describe them to you (laughs) other than the, the 
carefulness with which he uses the camera is something amazing to me the symmetry in his shots it's something that he's kind of been parodied for honestly and maybe derided for a little bit because that people say he pays too much attention to that but i love it um his his movies look beautiful um and this this movie is kind of a i guess a love letter to a new yorker type magazine that will be printing its last issue in a french city after um it's the the runner of the magazine the person who owns it dies um and they're like have to put together this last issue and it's the the movie is just stories from that magazine just told in different parts um so there's there's different sections of the magazine which are told in different parts so it's one of those movies that moves around quickly if you don't love a particular part of the movie it's going to change in 15 minutes Mm. um and it's got all the classic hallmarks of of a Wes Anderson movie. It's got small cameos from, from big actors. I don't want to read you the cast list because I think it's more fun if you don't know who's in this and you keep getting surprised by people. It's got his classic deadpan style. Um, I, I just really, I have, this is something I discovered during the pandemic is that I love Wes Anderson movies. Um, I had seen, I think, Fantastic Mr. Fox um, before that and not a single other one. And he's quickly become one of my favorite directors. Um, and I think this is one of his better movies. Mm-hmm. I think the blend of, of emotion and humor um, with just comedy. He's one of the funniest directors because uh, all of his off the wall deadpan stuff is h- absolutely hilarious. Uh, think of another movie on HBO Max, Moonrise Kingdom, really shines in that aspect. So I know you've also seen this too. What did you think of it? Um, this was, uh, you mentioned this, this was actually my first Wes Anderson film that I've watched. Um, so it took me a little bit to pick up, okay, what's happening? I did appreciate the, like, it told it, like you're reading a book, like mm-hmm. chap, like chapter one, mm-hmm. or a prologue, chapter one, chapter two. You know, it kind of sh- shared that through the way. So it's like we were walking through um, that um, in that aspect. It was weird though, you know. Like you said, I, I wasn't used to a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, the um, style is something you have to get accustomed to. So it's very strange at times. Um, but no, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. It was a unique movie, right? It, I didn't f- see any copy and pasting. I didn't see any. Let's pull from this movie. Like it's a very specific type of way that he directs and the way he and the way he shoots movies mm-hmm. uh, and the dialogue that he has and I really appreciate that because um, that I mean that takes even more talent when you're not pulling from people mm-hmm. but it's it's uh you know it's you it's your it's your style and he's really it's obviously worked for him because I think he's kind of blown up and he's um, made a handful of movies now that are all pretty highly rated. Um, yeah. So a- again, this is a director I want to watch. Grand Budapest Hotel. I want to rewatch Fantastic Mr. Fox. I want to watch Moonrise King. You know, kind of and see, and I'll probably see similarities in these films, obviously. Yeah. And just uh, kind of get more accustomed to how he makes movies. A- a- Anderson's, I think, one of the best at capturing um, the emotion between specifically father son relationships, which is something that really resonates with me. But he's also just someone that never. It, I never feel like there's a lull in any of his movies or there's a section that I would cut. Even ones that don't necessarily have a lot of meaning or don't really move the plot along, they're like those are like my favorite parts because they're the funniest parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a part of this movie where they just transition from live action to some weird like old-timey cartoon style chase. Like it's a car chase, an old timey cartoon with just the actors yelling and shout. It's the it's legitimately hilarious. Like the way that everything connects. Um, 
also a king of monologues and narration. So I really, really enjoyed this movie when I watched it. I'm probably going to watch it again very soon. Um, but Wes Anderson quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. And I think this movie got robbed. Uh, didn't get nominated for any Oscars, which I think is quite honestly ridiculous. At least could have been nominated for screenplay over my opinion. The but winner, don't look up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Belfast. Um, was nominated and won screenplay and Wes Anderson's French dispatch wasn't even nominated, which is a crime to me. So go watch this movie. It's, it's very good. All right. What's your next pick, David? My next pick is super eight. It is a 2011 film directed by and written by JJ Abrams. And then a huge producer uh, in this movie was actually Steven Spielberg. Which is if if you've seen this, I wonder if there was some influence from Steven Spielberg. This I can tell like a, you for a hundred percent there was. This <laughs> was a very like Steven Spielberg type movie. Yes, uh, it stars Joe Courtney, Ellie Fanning, Kyle Chandler. Um, again, you're not going to know those actors by name. Maybe the last one, but if you see their face, you'd recognize them. But really, it's uh, you know in a nineteen in a seventeen seventy nine, a bunch of kids begin making a zombie movie, uh, but in the process, they discover something uh, a lot more realistic. Um, upon you know filming in a certain location and that doesn't give you much but i think that's okay because i think you should go check this out it's an action mystery sci-fi um Mm -hmm. you know and i I know it involves you know what 13 to 16 year old kids but this movie gets pretty intense like it's not a kid's movie it's a classic i think this is what we're drawing from the spielberg is spielberg and i said this the other night and people started laughing at me because i didn't fully explain my point first but spielberg (laughs) loves to make kids in danger movies that's like his thing Mm-hmm. He he really enjoys that, and it, while this wasn't made by Spielberg, it was produced, and that was a lot of the marketing was like inspired by the works of Steven Spielberg. It's a kids in danger movie, and it's very yeah. it's very intense, but it's it's good. It's yeah, very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's like while they're filming, they witness an actual train crash. Like they're up on the hill filming, and uh, they see this train just completely begin to crash, and they go to investigate, and uh, they find some pretty alarming stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not a it's not a PG movie, but it, it's it's some good uh, there's some good action scene that's intense at times, and uh, I have not seen this in a while, but I, I really did enjoy this. I think uh, Fanning in particular does a really good job. She is um, quickly becoming. Uh, I mean, she was pegged as a as a star from a young age, and I think is probably following through on that. She's going to be in a she's in TV right now, working on TV shows, but she's going to be in a lot of big movies in the future as well. Um, what did you think of this movie? I I enjoyed it. I I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you do. That I I, I like it. I like it perfectly fine. Um, I was entertained by it when I saw it. I don't think I ever revisit. I probably saw it in like 2012, and I don't know that I've seen it since then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of the better Abrams movies. Um, and I like to think of J.J. Abrams when he was doing this, and when he wasn't ruining Star Wars. <laughs> um, that's more fun J.J. Abrams for me. So. I, I enjoy it, and you can definitely see the inspiration from Spielberg, even the inspiration from J.J. Abrams, other movies like Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Um, this was also peak lens flare J.J. Abrams. There's a lot of lens flares in this bad boy, um, which used to be like a big joke about movies in 2011. But, yeah, I would say this is a very solid movie, also a solid like action-adventure family movie. I know you yeah. said that it's a little darker, but still like in the E.T. vein, I feel like a little mm-hmm. bit more of a – of a mature version of ET, um, like, not as good, but this is this is a good one for like the whole family to watch. Like it's not one specific genre where a certain per- person might not feel yeah, included because they don't like this movie. Hopefully, there's something for everybody in yeah. this one. Yeah, 
So okay. that's that's my second pick. So my second pick is a movie that is not for the whole family. Um, it, it's a little 1976 movie called Network, directed by one of the greatest directors of all time, Sidney Lumet, um, starring Faye Dunaway, William Holden, Peter Finch, and Robert Duvall. Uh, and it's, it's a biting social commentary that I'm sure was impressive at the time and is even more harrowing now. Um, it's about a essentially a TV anchor goes crazy one night and says he's going to kill himself live on air. And um, instead of like responding in the normal way that you would expect, the ratings go up. And because they find that this crazy sensationalism drives ratings, the greedy people that run the network and the greedy giant media conglomerate seek to keep this guy on air even though he's unwell. Um, and it just turns into a wild story about the boundaries that they're willing to push to provide entertainment to people and what they're willing to do to get ratings. This is a great monologue movie. Some of the greatest monologues in movie history are said in this movie. That is a, um, I think a common thing with Sidney Lumet films is he loves a good, loves a good monologue. I think my favorite movie from him outside of this is probably 12 Angry Men, which is entire an entire movie about monologues essentially. Um, but this is just a fantastically well-written kind of depressing movie, honestly, about the state of pop culture or Hollywood and media in the 70s that is extremely applicable to today in the way that cable news specifically works. Um, I would encourage everybody to watch it because I think it's ex- it's it's well ahead of its time. Um, it's very obviously very highly rated. Um, and it won four four Oscars. Peter Finch um, became the first posthumous winner of an Oscar. He won for best leading actor. Faye Dunaway won for best leading best leading actress. And then there was a best actress and a best screenplay for this movie. Um, and I pretty much down the line was nominated for other things. Um, Network is fantastic. Uh, this is a movie that I just had heard about somebody else talking about how it was great. And I scrolled across it on HBO one night and was like, I'll watch this. Um, and it's changed the way I've look, looked at movies. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. So, yeah. yeah, I know, David, you have not seen this yet. So I, not only am I talking to the people listening to this podcast, but I'm also talking to my co-host and saying, <laughs> watch this dang movie if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's one of those like I've seen it and it's on the list. But then like, ooh. Black Mass has been added, or ooh, Dune's been added. You know, like it just kind of gets pushed down the line, but it's something I've been wanting to watch, and I just well, bump it to the front. Yeah, I, I just need to sit down. Bump and it to the front. I just, to, I just need to do it. It's excellent. It is an excellent film. So, network. All right, before we get to the rest of our uh, our picks, we're gonna take a short little break, but we will be back with picks three through five for best things to watch on HBO Max. All right, David, we're back. What's your third pick? This one's not as um, obscure, maybe, or, um, you know, Underground is Super 8. Yeah, this little um, indie movie. But my third pick's going to be Goodwill Hunting, uh, you know, and it's... The movie sorry, that made just, Matt but, Damon um, and Ben Affleck, essentially. Yeah, and, 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 and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck star in it, but they also wrote it together. Uh, completely wrote this movie. So impressive. Um, and very v- and it should be noted that this was a very, very young Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, I'm not going to say this was their first movies. 
I think it's their first written movies. I, I'm pretty sure it's the first time they yeah they they wrote um, for anything. I mean, which is very impressive. And I, I I do uh, an actor that should not be uh, forgotten, uh, who is the star really of this movie is is Robin Williams. Um, just a brilliant man and a brilliant performance in this. All three of them really um, mm-hmm. directed uh, by Gus Van Sant and written of course by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and stars them. And it's Really, kind of how to explain it, it's a beautiful story, beautiful acting from three very impressive actors. Um, You watch this movie for its dialogue and its incredible performance by the big three. Um, And, like, it kind of reminds me of those before sunrise, before sunset movies, because, like, you know, there's a couple parts of this movie where Robin Robin Williams and Matt Damon sit and talk for, like, five minutes, and you don't realize it. Like, mm-hmm. they're just sitting on a bench, mm-hmm. one, one, two shots, nothing special is happening, but it just those two actors are just so incredible, and, like... Their chemistry is really good together Time well. just flies, and mm-hmm. you're so invested uh, in this in this conversation. But I'll, do, I'll, I'll, you know, read the plot real quick. Uh, Will Hunting, which is Matt Damon, a janitor at MIT, has a gift for mathematics, but needs help from a psychologist to find direction in his life, that psychologist being Robin Williams. And um, probably I can confidently say everyone's heard of this, but I'm not sure really everyone's seen this. I think yeah, it's not an underground movie, but I do think it's been like, oh, I've heard of that. Have you seen it? No, I haven't got, you know, I think it might be one of those, especially for the, like our age and younger. Now, like my dad has most definitely seen this. Yeah. Um, so if you're, our, you know, my age or you're younger and you haven't seen this, I highly recommend it because it is a brilliant and beautiful movie. Um, and of course... The late Robin Williams, you know, unfortunately passing, seeing him shine in this uh, kind of gets a glimpse, get, get you a glimpse at, you know, how good of an actor he was. But um, what, are, what are your thoughts on this movie? Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, the first thing that I think about when I think about this movie is the um, part where um, Will gets the number from the girl in the bar. Um, and then he goes, you like apples? Now, how do you like them apples? And it's only because my dad has... I think he started saying that from before I was born and continued to say it. So before I'd even seen this movie, I was just like, you like apples? How do you like them apples? Also that bar scene where he puts down the jerk grad student, um, uh, that is just fantastic. Go look it up on YouTube and watch it. And it makes you cheer because he's just like, yeah, next you're going to be in here talking about Gordon Wood, you know, the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital forming effects of military mobilization. Like the way that he puts this guy down and uses his eidetic memory is is fantastic. But yeah, I think what you said, I mean, Robin Williams, I think, is the star of this movie as much as it's a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck movie. I think Robin Williams really just shines through. So um, his performance is extremely emotional. He ad-libbed a lot of a lot of stuff and probably one of his most famous scenes he ad-libbed which is the one where he talks he tells the story about his his wife farting in her sleep mm-hmm. um and it's like one of the most emotionally powerful parts of the movie and it's the one that pushes will hunting to kind of chase after the girl um but yeah this is this is a movie that was ripped off of and parodied and worse versions were done of it after because it was so good um, and people wanted that movie and just couldn't do it, you know. Further cemented Robin Williams as not only a fantastic comedic actor, but a fantastic actor in his own right, and kind of cemented Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as these rising stars who 
these A-listers who need to be respected. And so. we know today, 25 years later, that they were respected and have, yeah. have completely blown up. Uh, of course, Robin Williams did win an, uh, an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Affleck and Damon won a Oscar for Best Writing Screenplay uh, written. And it was it was nominated for seven others. Yeah. This was one uh, of the biggest movies of this year. Yeah. Um, it was very good. I wonder, I, I would be curious to see, uh, Damon was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role, and I'm curious what beat him out uh, in 97 for that because he did do a very outstanding job in that. So, you know, it, well, I was going to say it probably was a very good performance, but sometimes the Oscars do mess up. So it could be just like a, um, he got beat up by Jack Nicholson and as okay. good as it gets. Okay. So I, I yeah. have not seen that movie. Full disclosure. So I don't know. But Jack but Nicholson, Jack Nicholson's normally a good bet for somebody that had a good true. performance. So <laughs> yeah, it's always tough. But yeah, I, uh, man, I, I really, really watched this. It's not necessarily a happy movie. Um, you know, it's not depressing, but it's, it'll get, it'll probably like, it'll probably get you to tear up. Nathan doesn't cry much, but I guarantee you he's probably teared up a little bit when watching this movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So just be ready for that. <laughs> it's an emotional movie, um, but it's very good. So my third pick um, is also a little independent film. Probably haven't seen it. Um, directed by this small filmmaker known as Steven Spielberg, and it is Jurassic Park. Do I have to pitch this? Probably not. I watched Jurassic Park, and I know you've already seen Jurassic Park, but Jurassic World Dominion, the kind of, I think, end of the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole comes out this summer. So what better time than now to catch up? And I think HBO Max, actually, they may have all of the Jurassic Park movies, but they for sure have this one, which is by far the best. Um, it's crazy, some of the things that hold up in this movie. The CGI is insanely good yeah. Um, because they did that mix of practical and, and computer-generated. Like, the dinosaurs look real, um, especially the T-Rex is still terrifying. I think that's one of the scariest movie scenes for me as a child yeah. was the T-Rex scene. I mean, I, I don't know how he did it. I remember. Like, the cinematronic, like, it looks legit. It's so I don't know. Yeah. It's so good. Um, but yeah, it's it, this is Jurassic Park, and I think this is a movie that, you know, it's a cable movie. We talked about these with the dad movies last week. Of it's a movie that's frequently on cable, and people are frequently catching up on and watching. But now that a lot of people have cut the cord and moved to streaming, I feel like it's been a little bit since a lot of people have seen Jurassic Park, and you should fix that because this movie's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another one of those Steven Spielberg showing us that it's possible to make blockbusters that are high concept and cinema cinematic and well done like mm -hmm. an a movie that's not a blockbuster just because it has big explosions but is also getting great performances from it its cast um and yeah with the with the coming the coming end of the series kind of final moment where they're bringing back Sam Neill they're bringing back Jeff Goldblum they're bringing back Laura Dern they're bringing back all these people for this movie why not revisit it where it all began? Yeah. You know, I think that's that's one of the coolest things you can do. So do it. Um, and, yeah, watch Jurassic Park. I mean, I literally shouldn't have to tell you. But yeah. This wholeheartedly is one of the... Watch Jurassic Park. I mean, this is one of Steven's best films. This is one of the good... best. Like, gooder. It's this <laughs> is one of the better films, like, of all time. Like, it's in the... it's It has an argument just for the, its originality and just... Mm -hmm. The, really the difficulty of this film because mm -hmm. this movie is based around dinosaurs and if you don't do a good job with that obviously this movie's crap yeah the amount of dinosaur kids this movie and yes you could hit me with the dinosaurs are actually had feathers on yeah i don't care i'm sorry i don't i was a dinosaur kid i still don't care yeah because this this movie is great 
uh, where do you rank this on on Spielberg? Uh, where where would you Ooh, put that's this? That's a good question. So obviously Steven lot. Spielberg has been making feature length films since 1971, which is absolutely insane. So he's been operating for over 50 years. Jaws came out in 1975, and then he came out with Close Encounters, the Indiana Jones movies later on, E.T. Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can, Hook, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report, War of the Worlds. Where would you rank this? War of the Worlds is one. No, I'm messing. Yeah, I'm Uh. absolutely commit violence on this podcast Dude, if you have more than I don't even one. know it is his, it's his fourth highest rated film uh, of, that he's ever done according to Letterboxd um, I think it's one for me yeah. I I think Jurassic Park 1 Jaws close number 2 but I didn't have the same experience because it didn't see Jaws I saw Jaws too young mm-hmm. but it didn't hit me as as a child the way that Jurassic Park did so I, I will be going with with Jurassic Park for I'd probably have to agree just in my experience like I just saw Saving Private Ryan this year for the first time mm-hmm. Schindler's List was a couple times but like Jurassic Park was a rewatch it feels weird to say Jurassic that's his, Park was a rewatch I mean yeah. Schindler's List may be his best movie but I don't know that I'll ever watch it again you know, it's one of those movies that not because it's a bad movie. No, but I don't. I just don't feel the need to ever revisit it's that. It's movie. tough to watch again. Yeah. But this is a movie that you can watch and watch and watch and never get tired of. So yeah, for me, it's probably the best Spielberg movie, which is saying something because I think Spielberg is one of the five best directors to ever live. He just ke- and so. he, his latest movie literally won Oscars too. <laughs> West Side Story, literally. Yeah. He's still going. Yeah. Um, I really wish he was making this last Jurassic Park movie. Just. I think, think that they, you could you probably make him? two billion. Yeah, I don't think he wants to, but he could probably make two billion dollars if you just said Steven Spielberg making another Jurassic Park. I'm oh, oh, I'm there. I'm mm-hmm. actually just already in the theater. I'm just there. So I still wish you'd have directed the second Jurassic Park. It would have been different. It would have been a lot better. I think. Yeah, I I think he after the first one was like that was it. That was all I needed, and he made the Lost World, and it wasn't great. So he was like, I'm done. But I would like to see what he could do with this stuff now. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's my third pick. Go watch Jurassic Park because it's great. What do you got? What you got? What you got for number four here? My number four is uh, from my favorite director. Uh, it's Tenet, his newest movie. Who's his? Um, Who, who's Christopher Nolan. Director? Yeah, there you go. Um, it uh, came out in 2020. Um, really kind of a bold time to drop this. Uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Um, this one stars um, John David Washington, which is Denzel Washington's son, and then stars Robert Pattinson. Um, yeah, forget everything you know or you think you know about time. Uh, Nolan kind of creates this wild world in which all concepts of physics and time are different. Um, I've watched this movie twice, and I still don't get it. And um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, you enjoy it, which it, is oh, <laughs> important. But, well, and here's the thing: like, you look at the ratings, and it's like, okay, that's like on IMDb, that's a seven point three. Uh, on Letterboxd, it is a three point four out of five. But, like, a lot of the reviews I've seen, it's, like, people, like, just saying, like, they don't get it, you know? Which, like, makes me, like... You uh, would fight back against that. Yeah, it's it's not a poor quality movie. It's it's well done, and... The I, action sequences in this movie are phenomenal. Absolutely. To the soundtrack. Cool, to use your word. And phenomenal. <laughs> um, tremendous, as, <laughs> as, you know, as some you people <laughs> don't like me to say. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, if, if that's... 
if that's the reason you don't like the movie, I think Chris Renault did a pretty good job. Like, if that's the only reason the majority's like, eh, I don't know, just because they didn't get the plot. Like, now I understand there's a point of like, are you just doing this just to are you say just being you're confusing, confusing to be confusing, movie? or are you being confusing for a purpose? But but I think it's it's wild. Uh, I'll just read this plot, and hopefully this can somewhat help you understand. Armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold uh, in something beyond real time. So, all you really need to know in this movie is that there's action sequences and gunfights where they reverse time, so they're catching bullets back into their gun and, like, car chases. I mean, Nolan is known for practical effects, and I think that they're... I'm not sure how he did that practically. At an (laughs) all-time high in this movie with the way that he's structuring these action sequences. No CGI. No, I'm messing. Yeah. He probably did a little bit. I'm sure there's (laughs) some CGI somewhere, but... See, you just said that, and I'm, I'm confused, and I've seen the movie twice. I love it. Yeah, it's... I think it's it's a movie that I don't know if I'll ever fully understand. Quite honestly, I'm just gonna say this: I don't know if Christopher Nolan understands it. <laughs> <laughs> like he made it, I don't know if he fully gets it. But it's entertaining. There's, I will give it that. This is an entertaining movie. I want to revisit it for sure. And uh, you you need to sit down and focus and pay attention to this whole time. This is what people say Inception is, and yeah. not in terms of quality. But when everyone's like, Conception is so confusing, it is not. Inception, I will fight against this forever. Inception is not confusing. If you sit there and it's you just, just kind of pay attention a little bit, it's not that hard. They're yeah. going into dreams within dreams, and it's not that difficult to keep track of, quite mm-hmm. honestly. It's really not. They're very clear about it. This movie, however, is confusing. And I'll give you that. If mm-hmm. you say, you walk up to me, and you're like, Ten, it's confusing. Then it is. Inception, no. Don't give me that. Inception's not confusing. So, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I, I don't think you should go into the first watching of trying to, just try to enjoy it. Don't try to understand it, or you won't enjoy it as much as you could. Since we're doing our, our director thing again, um, and he is about to come out with Oppenheimer, which has, I think, every actor that's ever been in a movie ever in it. Dude, I'm getting um, my hopes up at this movie. How, what, where would you rank this on your Nolan? Because Nolan's your favorite director. Correct. Um, so where would you rank this on your Nolan uh, list? Let me uh, pull out a list that I've made ranking wow. the Christopher wow. Nolan. A boy who's already ready look at this our collective boy david dirks is ready he's got he's got it already except he's not which is why i'm vamping right now no, i'm just I, talking continually. I'm, I'm good to go here okay what do you got where you got it at well it's it's tough honestly because it i'll say it it's at eight right now which sounds bad however but go before ahead, it go ahead and list what you got what like how many movies are behind it then Behind it is Dark Knight Rises, Insomnia, and then some short films that he's done. Okay. But ahead of it is Memento, Dark Dunkirk, The Prestige, Inception, Dark Knight, Interstellar. Like, I mean, you, you're, t- you're hearing how much I've, like, talking up this movie, but it's still ranked eight out of... Uh, but, like, I just think... I don't think he's released a bad movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed... Tenant again. I need to watch again because so I can actually understand it a little more. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my opinion of it. Did you did you enjoy this? Did you? What did you think of it? I I, I like the action sequences. Um, 
I am a person who likes to understand what's going on. Um, and I like being confused a little bit until I never felt like that was resolved for me. I think I got it somewhat, but I think I may be wrong on what I think actually happened in this movie. I have it. I have it in the same spot. Actually. Um, I have not seen insomnia yet. And I also haven't seen the following, which is his first feature length movie. Um, that he kind of made on a really low budget. But I've seen all the other Christopher Nolan movies, um, and I would put Tenet as eight. My number one, though, your number one is Interstellar, which I have actually at five. My Bro, number one, I absolutely love My number one is Dunkirk. I cry every I time I watch I still think Dunkirk is, and I think that as time grows, people will come to appreciate what Dunkirk is. I think Dunkirk is the movie where Christopher Nolan does exactly what he sets out to do. Mm. And it's the movie where he most does that. It's supposed to make you anxious. It's supposed to make you scared um and it's supposed to kind of rapture you with this beautiful score and that's exactly what it does so well that's tough because dunkirk's at five for me but i absolutely love it like you know someone might hear five and be like well, yeah. that doesn't sound like it's very good well like no but when you're when you, it's it's like the same like tarantino thing i think whenever you're make, picking you're like oh this is my fifth favorite tarantino movie it's probably like reservoir dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> that's still which really is good like movie. an amazing movie yeah. and that just tells you how good their movies are so yeah all right, uh, my number four is a movie that is, well, at the beginning of it, I guess it's probably almost as confusing as Tenet when you're trying to figure out what's going on in this, but it's uh, a horror movie that came out last year directed by James Wan. It's called Malignant. Um, I, it, this is a movie that's very difficult, I think, for me to talk about without spoiling it, um, but I'll just tell you the the tag. It's spooky. The there you go. Kind of my adaptation of what the tagline is. A woman starts to experience grisly visions of murders, but discovers they are in fact real events. And then she tries. To, she and the police are trying to figure out who the real killer is. Um, and they think it's somebody connected to her and to her her past, which we don't know a lot about. I'll just say that this movie is by no means a masterpiece, but it's extremely fun. It is so much fun. The especially action sequences in this movie are entertaining. There's some one shot action sequences that I would like some Marvel directors to watch (laughs) first before they make their next movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And the performances are, are, are decent. Um, They're fine. I don't think they're anything groundbreaking, Um, but this movie's just fun. And it's a movie that unspools. It has a mystery as well, which I always enjoy that you figure out later on. But this is a movie that I think David and I first sat down to watch this at like 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Right. And we both were just like, this is not because we James Wan. Now, James Wan has kind of been, I I would say, the the prince of horror the past maybe 15 years or so. Um, He's the one who created the Saw franchise and also created the Conjuring franchise. But he's moved on to direct like Aquaman and Furious 7 and things like that. He did Insidious, too, didn't he? Oh yeah, he also did Insidious as well. So, so he was kind of the one like reinventing horror when it was getting stagnant. I feel like, um, but yeah, this is just another, just another off the wall movie. I was kind of expecting. I didn't know anything about this movie going in, and I was like, oh, this is a Conjuring type movie. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not that at all. Um, there's some really weird but cool needle drops. Uh, there's a remix of Where Is My Mind by the Pixies that comes out in this movie a couple times, and it's great. The actual credit song. Um, is like this weird dubstep rock thing that's really entertaining as well, um, which I think is the part of the movie where David and I realized that this movie was not going to be like what we expected. Um, but yeah, I just had a lot of fun. How did you feel after we watched this movie? I really liked it. I think it w- what's the similarities I see from this and The Night House is like the complexity of it. It's not like, 
like there's nothing wrong with the you know the chainsaw horror movie but like except it's for a that co- texas chainsaw well, massacre remake which is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life yeah that one that'll make you queasy if you're yeah, not ready for it sucks but like there was it's there's like a complex storyline and it's a twist that we usually are pretty good at guessing but we didn't know we did not pick up on this twist like we too had different we were kind of right but not really but we too had separate guesses on okay where i think we were both half right and if we would have combined our just half half baked theories they would have been completely right but yeah and and that's what i uh, kind of i think i'm starting to appreciate more about horror movies is this a complex plot not just a a dumb slasher with oh you know we nothing against halloween but you shoot him six times and he somehow is just always i think i think people are moving on from that yeah and i think they like the complex like Oh, I don't know what's going to happen at the end, and I can't guess it. Like they like that kind of right, movie, exactly. And we're kind of starting to get a couple of those, and I think that's why we appreciate this film so much. Yeah, uh, and I think it's just another one. Like I said, this with <laughs> I'm going to bring up ambulance again. We should start a counter for how many times <laughs> we've talked about ambulance. Also, watch that movie because Michael Bay got a drone and it's sick. But I'll probably watch it with my fiance. <laughs> <Dang, laughs> and there we go. The other counter. Ding 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 ding. Um, it on purpose. That's fine. But. Uh, it's another movie that I feel like I don't have to have a deep dive into afterwards. It doesn't connect to anything. I'm not worried about a that's continued franchise installments. What's going to happen with Malignant 2, Electric Boogaloo? Like, I don't care Ligma. because this is a movie that I just have have fun with, and that's it. And once it's over, I was like, that was good, and I can just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, so, yeah, that was Malignant, directed by James Wan, also on HBO Max. Dang. David what is your last pick, my friend? I have uh, actually a, 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 a movie from starring another kind of comedian starting out, uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, that abs- my dad absolutely loved Jim Carrey, uh, so that's kind of grown on the. You me. a Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell guy? I always ask people this question. Not no Jim Carrey all the way, hundred percent. Okay, and I think it's probably because growing up, my dad was loved Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey Bruce Almighty. Well. We l- we watched a bunch of these, uh, and my dad doesn't like Will Ferrell's crude humor. And I, honestly, I don't really find it terribly funny either. That's just my opinion. He's got a couple of good movies, uh, Step Brothers. And I, think I'm, I think I like Jim Carrey more as an actor. I think I may have more Will Ferrell movies I really enjoy, though. I don't know. Got you. We'll see. But yeah, uh, Jim Carrey stars in this. And, uh, you know, it's this again. This isn't an underground movie, but I, you know, I saw this parts of it on TV growing up. Um, you know, either caught the back end of it or started you it and have finished such, it. Did you say the title of the movie yet? The Truman Show. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I sat down on, actually on HBO Max this last year and watched it from start to finish. 100% paid attention to it for the first time. And I think a lot of people might be in the same boat. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, stars Jim Carrey, um, Ed Harris, and Laura Lenny, uh, and honestly a good amount of other mid-level actors, mid to uh, yeah. high-level actors. Uh, and th- really kind of the plot of the show is Truman Burbank, which is Jim Carrey, stars uh, in the Truman Show and it's a 24-hour um, reality TV show. Except he doesn't know that he's in a reality TV show. And he quickly begins to realize that something's not right um, with with that. So uh, I really liked it. Um, Such a good idea. It really is. And, uh, like, it's tough because, like, if you have not seen this movie, like, going into it, I kind of knew what it was about. But if you've never heard about this movie, it could be pretty twist. I guess that's a pretty good twist, you know. Um, so you probably honestly know how it ends. But Jim Carrey does a very, very good job. Um, one of his better performances uh, mm-hmm. and one of the higher rated movies um, that he's been a part of. Uh, it mm-hmm. was nominated for three Oscars. 
uh, Ed Harris as the best actor in a supporting role. Uh, Peter Weir? Weir? Weir. Weir. Peter Weir. Is that a, he's Australian? Um, I don't think so. I don't. But no, I, you're right. Dang. Look at you. Sydney, Australia. He was nominated for Best Director and then uh, Best Writing Screenplay got nominated, nominated as well. But uh, yeah, it's a, a kind of a fun movie. It's lighter. Uh, you know, it's not as dark as either Malignant or uh, Super 8 or, you know, a com- couple other ones we mentioned. But uh, it's a definitely a good watch. It's and heartbreaking in its own way. Um, yeah. There's a lot of this because essentially this movie is about a person who's being robbed of their life and ha- is doing everything for entertainment of others and doesn't even That's realize true. it. So it's more, it's, it's a little more sad. It's not as dark necessarily, yeah, but it, it's, it's heartbreaking at uh, this. You've is seen the first this, right? Time, yeah. This is the first time I ever remember watching a Jim Carrey movie where he's not just making dumb faces the whole time, which mm-hmm. is the part of Jim Carrey's comedy and he's funny. But I think that this was the movie where I was like, Oh my gosh, Jim Carrey can really act. Um, it's also a movie where you, I think immediately afterwards, I don't know anybody that didn't come out of it going, is my life a TV show? Yeah. For like at least think, like, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's, I think it's really good. And I hate that people keep making bad versions of this movie. Mm. Um, One just came out kind of similar. Oh uh, right? yeah. Free guy. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Free guy is like, I think the 2021 version of this movie starring Ryan Reynolds that takes the worst parts of the Truman show actually takes the Truman show and then screws it up and combines it with the bad parts of ready player one and makes a terrible movie that for some reason people like, um, I hate that movie. I hate that movie so much. I really detest everything about it, but I don't detest this movie. So he's very good. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very emotional. Um, and I think that, one of the best parts about this movie is when you see people starting to break um, the actors that are portraying, you know, Truman's friends, Truman's um, parents, you know, when they start to break and start to kind of like realize what they're doing. I think what they're participating in is when this movie is at its, at its peak. Um, Mm. And yeah, I, they begin to realize what this is one of the better Jim Carrey performances. Um, And I mean, if you just go down and you look at the movies, on IMDb that are recommended more like this. You have Catch Me If You Can, Shutter Island, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Forrest Gump, which I don't like Forrest Gump, and a lot of people do, and I really don't. But all those other movies are very well done as well, so that should tell you everything you need to know. Um, mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen The Truman Show yet, which is a pretty classic movie. Actually, another you mentioned another uh, Jim Carrey movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. There's another one that's, um, yeah, it's very effective. So, so yeah. Uh, I would I would concur. This movie is really good. Okay, for the final pick of the day, um, I had to pick a heist movie because heist movies. I are thought about you know you know, you know what I thought about picking. Great. I thought picking Inside Man. Inside Man is very good, but, but I didn't. That actually. was one that was on my radar. I decided to go with a actually Ben Affleck and Rachel <laughs> and Rebecca Hall. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Rachel. Ben Affleck and Rebecca Hall vehicle. Two people again. we've already talked about before. It's the town. Um, if you haven't seen the town yet, uh, fix that right now. This is, in my opinion, the best movie Ben Affleck has ever made, um, and he's not even the best part of it. Which is it? Well, he might be. I mean, the direction of this movie may be its strength, um, mm-hmm. but Jeremy Renner's performance is James Coughlin, the kind of unhinged, terrifying friend of uh, of Dude, Doug he McCray. freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I was like. 
It's Dude, someone's he's got something's gonna happen to him because I'm kind of getting scared. You, it's the like whole Boston. You, you can't ask me about it later, but we're gonna hurt some people. And he just Jeremy Renner's character just goes, "Whose car are we gonna take?" Like he's just he's unhinged. But it's it's a heist movie. It's about uh, a group of thieves who um, rob a bank, but and take like someone hostage and she ends up falling in love with Ben Affleck's character and then they have to like do one last score you know the classic one last score to to kind of make it big and get away from the game but they're being hounded by this FBI agent played by John Hamm it's got all the hallmarks of a heist movie but it's done better than most heist movies can mm-hmm. I th- I would put this as the, the, my second favorite heist movie ever be- behind the movie Heat which is not available to stream anywhere, but if it was, I'd be too telling bad because I'm just waiting to watch that movie. Telling There's you to no watch, way to watch it. Telling you to watch Heat because Heat is phenomenal, but this movie is great too. Um, ben Affleck is very good at portraying the washed-up athlete. I think it might be his best best strength as an an actor, and he's you know playing up a washed-up uh, kind of hockey star. This is a very Boston movie and i've heard on good authority from people actually from boston that it's an actual boston movie it's not doing the fake thing you know Mm -hmm. the accents are real the uh settings are real the geography of this movie makes sense for the most part um and i think it's just got a lot of it's just got a lot to love uh you've seen this movie you actually saw it recently yeah i did if i'm not mistaken but how do you feel about the town uh i genuinely uh enjoyed it uh that's Again, it's one right that I've been wanting to watch because of the cast list, and uh, yeah, I'll agree. I think it's Ben Affleck's one of his better performances that he's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I just I didn't know that the Batman and Hawkeye, you know, used to rob banks together. It mm-hmm. really just kind of blew me away. Yeah, nice joke there. Um, Great, that was fantastic. <laughs> no, so good. Thank that was, you. That was kind of fun. So much. I am saying that it's the second best heist movie of all time. However, do not hurt me. I haven't seen The Sting or Dog Day Afternoon because, once again, those movies are... Actually, Dog Day Afternoon's on HBO Max, and I'm going to watch it soon. But I don't know. It's it, the best, the second best heist movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I watched behind, this 11 days ago. Behind Heat. Um, but, yeah, The Town, I think, is is very good. I think it's Affleck's best, even though he won an award. For, he won Best Picture, and he was kind of crowned with Argo. I think this movie, in my opinion, is better than Argo. I don't know yeah. how you would feel about that. I agree. I actually just watched p- that one recently as well. It's also just difficult for me. You can't really find a better subgenre than a heist movie. Even bad heist movies are normally entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and good heist movies are my favorite movies. So, yeah, this is fantastic. Um, I I like this. So, you said Inside Man. That's another heist movie that's on, on HBO. Do you, do you like that? This or Inside Man better? Oh boy! Um, I love hitting you with questions that you have no way of answering. Yeah, I know it. They're both very good. I feel like they're both. They're both. Yeah, even though they're both heist movies, I feel like they're both very different. Yeah, that that is true because one of them is like just the entire movie is one heist and one hostage situation, and then. And the town, you have multiple heists, and it's more about the characters outside of the heist rather than in it. So I like Inside Man and that, that it ends different than any other heist movie. Mm-hmm. Now, of the ones I've seen and heard about, like it ends completely different than a heist than a, what you would think is a heist movie mm-hmm. should end. So I like it, and also Denzel is just my dad. He's just he's so good in everything he does, so that helps Inside Man. Uh, but yeah, this is. Ben Affleck's performance, Jeremy Renner's performance, even Rebecca's Hall, 
Rebecca Hall's performance. Very, very good uh, in this. Um, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? I think that I would probably take the town more just because the town has more action, classic action heist sequences, which I, I very much enjoy, um, <laughs> which is part of the reason I enjoyed the recent release ambulance (laughs) um but yeah it has it has more action sequences i think the um also one of the most iconic things is them sitting in the car with the the nun costumes on and they pull up next to a group of kids like Um, slows like slow-mo of them like looking at them in this like nun outfit. yeah i i just really enjoy enjoy the town um a lot so if you haven't seen the town yet go watch it and if you've already seen it you remember how heist movies are always fun so go watch it Mm mm-hmm yeah, you don't have to like think deeply. You don't have to be in this, you know, strong state to pay attention to it. Like you can just sit down and you're like, oh, uh, this is fun. Yeah. Whose car are we gonna take? Yeah, and you exactly. can just then proceed to talk in a Boston accent and talk about who parked the car and where the car keys are for like and the next yeah. week after you watch this movie. So annoy everybody else in your life after watching the town. That's what I like to do. Come so, on. So yeah, come, come on. on. All right. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for watching. This has been our top five things to watch on HBO Max. Plus the Batman. Come on. And then tune in next uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Um, as we'll be probably talking about more movies because we are in a lull of sports. We might get into some NBA. We have NBA playoffs. NBA's heating It's just up. very difficult for us because we release the show once a week, and by the time we would release it, there's games playing tonight, and then the results will be way different. And depending on when you listen to this, it may be so outdated that you won't care. So, so yeah, we're in a, we're in a lull of Steph sports. Curry's still good, if yeah, you're wondering, that's, that's and Jordan true. Poole's having a pool party. So we that's might talk about NBA. We probably won't talk about MLB because they're on game nine of 162. Uh, but, uh, who cares about baseball? <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? Uh, don't forget to find us on Twitter at What Do You Want to Watch. Be sure to follow us, DM us if you have any questions or show ideas. See you next week. And be sure to ask me how what I thought about Ambulance. Do that. Ask me that. Come on. Okay. Bye, everybody. David has a fiance.